Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Molly Ryder. Welcome to the podcast, More Milk, Please, Baby Feeding Stories from Moms Plus, like me and you. This podcast is designed to be a safe space for Women Plus to come together and share baby feeding stories. Whether you are expecting or thinking about having kids, a mom, non-binary, an aunt, grandma, or a caregiver, you are welcome because we hear it all. (laughs) From breastfeeding and pumping to tube feeding, bottles, formula, frozen milk, and weaning, our worldwide community is here connecting over some of our most nerve-wracking and intimate moments. I am so glad you're here, dear listener. Oh my goodness, my mom's plus. I hope that you find connection and belonging as you listen. And if this podcast, or me, or our guests, or the stories mean something to you, it would mean the world to me if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to rate and review the podcast. It helps new Moms Plus find us so these stories can support even more baby feeding adults out there in the wild world of parenting. To do this, just go to the More Milk Please show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and just hit the plus sign in the top right-hand corner. Of course, the more stars you're willing to give, the better. (laughs) And I so appreciate hearing your thoughts. So if you could please leave a comment, that'd be amazing. I check and read them all and feel immense joy over each one. So thank you, thank you. So much love and hugs. All right. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to share that our incredible guest, Colette Hammond, talks about the milk production drug her doctor prescribed for her after each of her three births. If you're wondering, like me, like, wait, what? There's a milk production drug? Well, Colette lives in Alberta, Canada. And in Canada, the drug Dom Peridon, also sold under the brand name Motilium, is FDA approved. And I apologize if I totally butched those names. You know me, I can't pronounce things. (laughs) I so wish it was approved in the United States. I think it could help a lot of moms, including myself. In fact, if you listen to the first episode where I share my story, you'll hear I ordered some directly from Canada. I just can't help but wonder how much American capitalism and just our system has really influenced this decision. I highly recommend listening to the formula marketing episode by the badass breastfeeding podcast that aired on October 1st, 2023. Based on the research that Diane and Abby did of that podcast, it definitely sounds like it's more profitable to have families switch to formula, you know, yay capitalism, than to give moms the drug that they need to help produce enough breast milk. So annoying. I also want to mention that you'll hear in the beginning, Colette didn't want to talk too much about the specific milk production drug she took on while we were chatting on the podcast. But after the recording, we kept talking and I shared with her that like, it's not actually a drug that's available in the United States. And many moms probably be surprised to hear that there's even an option that she could take. And she was just shocked and really saddened to hear that it's not available to women in the U.S., And she was happy to share this alternative perspective from another country. And I'm just so grateful to Colette because it's when moms talk to moms that we learn about these things and we can start to affect change. This is also a unique episode because Colette shares how she went into the lingerie business during her second mat leave. She started her company Bratopia. She talks a lot about the body image challenges we face as moms after having kids. And I love that she started her business to empower women, especially moms. I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed the interview itself. And without further ado, I am so excited to welcome Colette Hammond to More Milk, Please. Thanks, Molly. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for for jumping in and sharing your story. 
I'd love for everyone to get to know you a little bit and hear about you and your family and where you live and how many kids you have, how old they are now, etc. Sounds great. So I live in Calgary, Alberta in Canada. I'm a mom of three kids. I have an 11-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 15-year-old. The two youngest are boys and my oldest is a girl. And yeah, they were all breastfed, which until we started talking about it, I think I've blocked a lot of it out, Molly. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. It's amazing how quickly they grow. Mine is almost two. And I'm like, where did the time go? Of course. Yeah. So why don't we dig in, you know, before, before you had your daughter, your first, if you remember, what was your breastfeeding baby feeding knowledge? Like, did you avoid it? Did you do all the research? Did you consider formula? What, what was your, what was your background? Well, that's like? A with great it? Question. I remember before having my daughter and one thing I'll share, and I know probably a lot of your listeners can relate. So before I had my daughter, I had two miscarriages. So by the time you're pregnant a third time, it does take away some of that like elation and joy, just because you get so much worry that will this happen again? Will I lose this pregnancy? But then I remember when it was sticking and everything was progressing, doing research about everything, what to expect when expecting the baby checklist, that there gets to be a point where you're in this fog. I remember even walking into, um, we had a baby specialty store here (laughs) and walking out. And my husband at the time thought I was mad at him because I was just like overwhelmed. And he's like, are you mad at me? I'm like, oh God, no. I would just said like, I can't believe something so tiny needs this much stuff. So there's just this like overload of energy and you don't know what you don't know. And I have a part of me that when I'm getting into something unknown, I research the heck out of it because it's Mm going to make me feel like more secure, certain about it. And so I do remember reading and I think my biggest misconception I learned about nursing was I thought it just happened so easily and naturally that it's just like, okay, this is easy. You put this boob in the baby's mouth and poof, it works. And even from what I'd seen in nursing, whether it was movies, people doing it, baby videos, I guess, I thought it was just a super easy thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard one. Mm-hmm. I felt very similarly. I was like, I, I hope it just comes naturally. Like that's right. what people say. I'm just going to cross my fingers. I had no doubts. Like, I think the other side of it was like, I thought babies just went to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't that have been nice? (laughs) A lot of rude awakenings in parenting. So, but no, and even I know at that time, and I don't know where this would come from because I know even something I work a lot with is body issues. So sometimes I go back to like, where do body issues come from? Where do we learn that shame? And I know there was such shame around formula. Mm. At least where I was in the mom groups. I was in a mom and baby class. It was just, you know, they got into nursing in a bit into the class. And it was just this, you don't use formula. And so everything I read about how you're going to feed your baby and the calories and the nutrients and the bonding is you just breastfed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Were you looking forward to it? Were you nervous about it? Did you just sort of think it was one of the things you do as a mom? Were there... Yeah, I think I just thought like, again, because where my misconception happened was I was like, well, it's so easy. And I remember even a woman I worked with, she's so sweet. I loved her. And she's like, Oh, my God, are you kidding? So that when the baby wakes up at night, it's so much easier to pop a boob in its mouth than go and make bottles. And I was like, Oh, that makes logical sense, too. And so I I don't think I ever even considered anything about formula. I Mm -hmm. just thought, Maybe I will have to cross that bridge when I return to work. And in Uh Canada, when I had babies, I had 12 months of maternity leave. So maybe when I was returning to work and they were one years old, I would have to look at bottles and formula then. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. You guys get 12 months. That's amazing. I I know. If I could change one thing for you in America. Yeah. Yeah, It's really nice. Um, So tell me a little bit about your daughter's birth. Was it planned in the hospital, at home, medicated, unmedicated? Maybe so, you can give a little brief Oh, sure. Thank you. Um, so I found out along the way that she was breech. Mm. And in Canada, they won't 
naturally deliver a breech baby. They will, I guess, but you have to really advocate for it. But what I've to- been told now is they won't. And so oh, interesting. you have to go to like a birthing center, which obviously there's high risk to breech birth. And I also even remember at one point, there's a procedure where they did try to turn her mm. and it didn't work. And then you get this, and then there's this thing about I have to have a natural birth. And then it became out of my control that she did, I did ask, I just had this thing. I just felt like I want to know that like the turkey's cooked and I wanted her in till 40 weeks. So I did mm-hmm. advocate for that. They like to do them around 39 yes. because they, said they didn't want to have the complication that then you would go into labor and now they're up against the labor contractions trying to do a C-section. So I had a planned C-section at the hospital, which at the time, you just don't know what to expect mm-hmm. or what not to expect. And then I remember, yeah, it went quite well. Right. And I remember even at the time, though, they had a trouble getting her out. And so I do always bug her to this day because she's <laughs> a child. I'm like, not only was she turning around and not coming out, even when they were in there trying to pull her out, there was like a foot stuck somewhere. <laughs> she's like, it's too warm and comfy in here. Wasn't having it. And like, this is her to the core. (laughs) That's amazing. Yes. I've heard that, that like how babies come out, their personality is right there in there too. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. So having a C-section, um, what happened afterward? Was she able to be put right on your chest? Did they take her away? They take her away. They do the vitals and everything. They brought her quite quickly. And I mean, Mm -hmm. then there's that moment of shock, like, oh my God, I just had a baby. Right. And then I can't remember how soon after then that I started nursing in Canada, we have public health care. And so you're in the hospital about 72 hours. And then they try and get you, especially with the first C-section. Sometimes with the second C-section, it's even less because they assume you have some, some, training now which is talking but yeah so I do remember them bringing her and then I remember there was like challenges that I'm like what this doesn't seem like it's working or is she nursing Mm -hmm. and you have these nurses doing their rounds and they're trying the best to help but it just you're also now just coming out of a major surgery process a child and that you have to feed it and live through your breasts and so I remember yeah the colostrum comes in I remember learning about all this yeah. And, um, and then the, the sheer size of the breasts when this starts happening, not only during pregnancy, but once then you start producing colostrum and milk, it's yeah. amazing how large your breast. The letdown is Sometimes intense. I remember thinking like, am I going to suffocate this poor baby because I have large breasts to begin with? <laughs> yeah. And so then I remember she had some challenges. Mm-hmm. And eventually there was a lactation consultant that I was able to see. And it was a nurse specialized in lactation, but this woman, oh my God, it was like trying to see the Pope and <laughs> it was protected. And you had to go through like three levels of nurses until. Wow. They... And so finally she came in and showed me some techniques and we got it going. But this was my first point where I thought like, this isn't as easy as I thought. Yeah. Well, good for you for advocating for yourself and for your daughter, like to get through the many layers of nurses to, to, to this Pope, (laughs) to the lactation consultant. That's impressive. I don't know. I know it's been a while now, but were there certain positions that helped particularly from the consultant? I remember I had like a nursing pillow. So like cross body Mm. probably worked the best. And then for my own sanity, I know I learned side nursing so that you could like feed them at night or when you're tired that it's, and you can lie down and do it. So that one, I think I became a specialist in, but (laughs) but I recall those ones. And then, yeah, but like by the third child, you can nurse doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) And you have a PhD in nursing or else. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Except for it was like against every challenge you could imagine because yeah even I remember then when she came home there's a lot of follow-ups with newborns and clinics and vaccinations and they're checking everything about them and if they're developing properly and then I do remember she wasn't getting weight mm-hmm. so then of course, it was, mom you're carrying this like is it me am I not doing something right and so eventually I do remember going to my family doctor who saw her and then put her put me on a prescription I don't remember the name and I'd mm-hmm. rather not you know, promote. Yeah, no, that's fine. 
in your show as well, but there was a prescription I had to go on that would increase milk production. Mm. And at the time too, I had a very thorough doctor. She was incredible. And she was like, you know what? I also want to get her tested for cystic fibrosis. And then as a new mom, it just like, oh yeah. Thing like this baby's not growing the baby's not gaining weight could be cystic fibrosis and she's like I don't want to scare you but I get one or two through my clinic and I would rather rule it out and then thank god it came out ruled out but then she had me on a program to produce more milk than I was and then she started gaining more weight oh good yes that's great that's great that it worked that's so hard I was an under producer myself with my daughter and see who yeah. This is yeah. He's talking about this. Right. And it's, it can be very frustrating and it feels like it's all your fault and it's so mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. I'm glad you had a doctor in your corner. It's really important. Yes. And then it was like, once you felt like you got nursing down, then you meet your friend, the, the breast pump. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I will never forget the sound of a breast pump. <laughs> it out, no matter where I am in life. And yes, yes. Mm. So once you, you know, were producing the milk and, and you sort of on your way, anything in the first three to six months, like unexpected joy with it or other challenges, you know, is there anything in particular you want to share about that early time? I think like there's a, there is a joy to it because you're like bonding and, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because it is the quickest way to get the baby to stop crying. It's just like, yeah. give them rest, give them rest. I'm like, I'm sorry. I know there's stuff about don't do it or overfeed them. It was always the easiest ease to get that crying to stop. I think the piece I probably had the most issues with, and I wasn't as comfortable in my body then, but there was like the constantly worrying about carrying a cover up and covering up, making sure no one Mm. can see the breast that you're nursing. I think that probably bothered me a bit, but at home, no. And it was just interesting. I used to love like even watching her facial expressions. Like when those babies are nursing, you're like, what are they thinking about? Like when they're (laughs) when they're nursing what is going on in their brains um mm-hmm. yeah that part was great and I think it was just the ease of because once then baby starts solids but when you're traveling and all mm-hmm. you're doing is breastfeeding it's heaven mm-hmm. like not traveling with a baby has a few challenges <laughs> not having to pack food or bottles or anything that you just you're the food that was probably pretty amazing too Yes. Yes. And at that point, they're just still all like strapped to you. So they don't, yes, they don't wander. Oh, that's great. So did you wait until you were headed back to work when you started to switch to like bottles and doing the pumping or how did that transition go? I did a lot of pumping as much as I could. And I also did my master's when I was off on mat leave. So there were times mm. that I need a bottle. Nothing like adding something else I to your. <laughs> I was just like, what am I going to do with all that free time? 2020 <laughs> hindsight is how I've learned most of life's lessons, Molly. <laughs> I don't regret it. I'm glad I did it. But yeah, it was a lot. And then I probably, eventually she would have been on formula too. Yeah. Probably about my return to work. Cause I had the amount of bottles I had to bring to her. She started in day home and the yeah. amount of bottles I had to bring to her day home, even at one, there was no way I was going to be able to pump that. That's all I would have been doing in my spare time. Yeah. Yeah. And so day home, is that what daycare is called in Canada? Daycare, but it's like in home care. So it's usually lady babysitting in her home. Daycare is usually like registered and more in a commercial space. So yes. Yes. Cool. Cool. How did like the transition to solids go? And when she, when she started to get teeth, was that an issue or did I do you... remember that now. Yes, of course. Cause there's the odd time you do get nipped. Right. Right. And then they're probably not at, like the solids is where they start also not being as interested in the breast. Mm-hmm. I was always, okay. I know there was moms that kind of grieved the end of breastfeeding. Yeah. But I was just kind of like, I think this is okay. Like I was not terribly mm-hmm. upset about it. Um, and it was, I, I appreciated returning to work. I yeah. love my children, but I also love work. And then as the universe had it for me, I believe I returned to work in end of June or July. And mm-hmm. then I think I was pregnant in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Not All right. morning, but obviously... Yeah. It happened. And so then I remember finding I was pregnant not long after and just being like, oh boy. So it wasn't long. My kids are like 22 months apart. So 
Nice. Nice. Well, that's a good transition. Let's take a quick break and then circle back and hear a little bit about your son and how he was born. Of course. Also, if you're a breastfeeding mom thinking about breastfeeding or are an underproducer like me, get your hands on my free 10 best breastfeeding and pumping tips because you deserve an easier, pain-free experience. Seriously, I want you to feel victorious in your breastfeeding and pumping. So go to mollyrider.com forward slash top 10 milk tips to get your copy today. So then the second child, I was put in a high risk category because if your C-section is mm-hmm. not 24 months old, there's a chance of rupture, they call it. It's an internal oh. thing where the baby can get stuck while you're trying to push it out. So I got treated higher risk because of that. And I did want to have a natural birth. There was just this piece of me that was like, I want to try a natural birth and see what this is like. So I did keep him. He stayed in till like 42 weeks um. and finally went into labor and went to the hospital. But all of a sudden, they they take extra precautions again because of this risk and at one point his heart rate dropped and I was being like rushed into a c-section for an emergency mm-hmm. birth and this was a lot more traumatic I did experience like contractions and the beginning like the plug coming out in the beginning of all that but then they tried to do a c-section with me awake but the the sheer number of drugs between the epidural i had had (laughs) and then the number of drugs that they tried to put into me with this i was so out of it i was so out of it and so i remember even they like brought him to me to look i was so drugged up i don't remember kind of that moment but going again like to um personalities he's like my most mellow child so I'm like <laughs> all those drugs in his birth experience <laughs> he's totally zoned I'll out I'll take it <laughs> five that's out of amazing five. <laughs> recommend <laughs> plus one <laughs> that's right that's right so yeah and then I think the latching and stuff came easier but again I had to we I went back on the drug that helps with milk production with him yeah and so that was uh yeah. And then I was just, and then the doctor just said, like, some people are just always on this because you do, you always, I feel, I shouldn't speak for anyone else personally, always went internal. Like, what am I doing wrong? What, why am I not producing? Why is this going on? And so there's like this internal shame that you do to yourself. Yeah. And then heaven forbid, anyone in your mom's group is an external shamer or judger about this stuff. And they have the answer to everything that Right. Yeah. So I learned to be very discerning about other people's opinions and just do what I could to keep these kids going and healthy. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, how did your daughter handle having a younger sibling? And particularly with breastfeeding, was she then interested in the boob again? Or was she happy to let her brother have at it? I remember one time she tried to nurse him. And so it was so funny because she was so young. And I was just like, it was quite funny. And I think she used to take her doll and and try Mm. and nurse her doll too as much. But the funnier was when she tried to nurse him. I think she was like, they were so close, you know, obviously disrupted her life a little bit to go from the only child, but they were so close that, yeah, they, I don't think it phased her. And the other piece as a mom of three is when you have two kids, two parents, Mm -hmm. there's always an ease there until you tip the balance and there's, (laughs) (laughs) child two parents and then especially when they're very young yeah yeah and so any particular standouts with nursing your middle I don't think so I think by then it was just like you just feel a bit more confident in everything that's coming because the first time everything is so unknown Mm -hmm. and as much as you read about it until you experience it like everything from birth to nursing to all the stages and milestones yeah number two you're not as worried or uptight or you know that there's probably a solution for every problem whereas the first time you're just like oh my god the baby's gonna die (laughs) and so it's it helps a bit put mom at ease more than anything but no and he was he was pretty easygoing and so I realized how much you could do with a baby carrier, but still having Mm -hmm. a newborn and then like two-year-old is extremely challenging. Yes. Yes. 
Did you go for your PhD for during that time? I never did. <laughs> it's so funny. There was a there was a program actually where you could do you were ahead to do your the equivalent of what's a CPA and mm-hmm. it went to the orientation day and I sat through the orientation because I was signed up to do it and I was like you know what I'm just done with school and then <laughs> I left and and retracted my application. I'm like I just can't anywhere. I didn't. However, on my second mat leave, funny enough, I opened a business which is oh, yeah. a lingerie store that I own. So I have always stayed busy, uh, probably too busy. And so that's kind of what I did during my second maternity leave. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about your youngest. For sure. What was, what was that birth experience like? Of course. Now, unfortunately, I have a bit of a unique family story. So um, I separated with my husband between my second mm-hmm. and the third one being born. So oh. I had, and unfortunately, there was a lot of contention. And so this was not a good experience. I, I'm yeah. hopeful this doesn't happen to a lot of people. So there was like a lot of stress there and mm-hmm. not having partner support and also the stress on myself. So I knew I would get through this. I mean, I'm great. I'm grateful. I had the ability to get hired help, but that was not a great way to have a child born. And third, number third, there's no, they don't even ask you after two sections, you have Mm -hmm. to have another one. And so I knew he'd be born by a C-section. I think we had planned it on the due date, but you can get triaged if it's not an emergency C-section. So it went further, but yeah. And then this poor third child was born in divorce, but I also, I have this one photo and it's like when I brought him home in the car seat and the other, like at that time, because birthdays hadn't happened, but I had Mm -hmm. uh, three-year-olds, a one-year-old and this baby. And then very shortly after those two were two and four, but these three super young kids and there's a piece of me I'm the great granddaughter of pioneers which Mm. were the founding farmers of Canada and I just had this grit and perseverance in me that I'm like I know this will be hard and challenging but I'll get through this so that stress and I I know stress contributed a lot that time to milk supply yeah back on the milk supply prescription right but I remember he had to go on a weight gain diet And that Mm. was really challenging. So then the baby breastfeeding weight gain diet, from what I recall, because some of this you have to block out to move on. Like you had to nurse extra times, even if you Mm. didn't keep the milk just for the production. And then in the breast milk, you had to put, I think it was like two tablespoons of formula to add extra calories to it. Oh, interesting. There's like a point in that where like, that's why even when I talk about the sound of the breast pump, You literally, like, all you can imagine, like, in my world, I could just picture a milking cow. I'm like, literally, <laughs> all I'm doing right now is trying to produce milk and nurse, and these machines are on me. It's, yeah. you almost dissociate from your body because you forget that, you know, that your body was even capable of, like, sexuality or sensuality at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone would be attracted to that. Obviously, breasts are used a lot in media and other forms. Right. There just comes a point that you're like, is this really what my life's come down to? And so, yeah, I it was it was hard. It was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then you have two older kids at the same you time. As well, and you never know what they're up to. So you're always just kind of <laughs> like on guard trying to see what they're they're doing. Yeah. So how long did it take before your youngest started to gain weight and you could switch out of doing all the extra formula or did you do it the entire time? No, it was, but it probably, it's probably like the major, I think I had to do that for about three months, that program. And then by nine to 12 months, he was pretty balanced of milestones and everywhere he needed to be. And so, (laughs) but no, and you know, in personality way, he's a character, like he's my unique little soul. And uh, yes, so either way, and this is one thing even I laugh about now with my adult friends, when you're going through these things, or you're concerned about breast versus formula, and there's this pressure and this shame and mixed messaging, mixed research, and you're just trying to do the best you can as a mom. And, you know, we'll sit around sometimes in groups, and I'll be like, well, Molly, when did you, how long were you breastfed? <laughs> because eventually when you're an adult professional, none of this stuff matters or right. 
even the pressure of potty training. Like, yes. Holly, when did you get potty trained? Nobody cares now. It doesn't matter. <laughs> picture a life. Nobody knows this stuff. That's right. That's right. It's not on my social media profile. It's not on my CV. <laughs> <laughs> and here, here we are, high-functioning adults making yeah. it to society. <laughs> we survived somehow. That's right. <laughs> Against all odds and statistics. Okay. Crazy. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, no, that's really good. It yeah, is amazing but I am, how like when you're in it, it's like oh, the be all end all. And even talking about this way, I'm happy always to share anything with your listeners because I remember, I still remember the emotions. Yeah. And it seems like such a big deal then. And like now the stuff I deal with at 11, 13, and 15, you know, never once am I like, well, maybe I should have breastfed longer. <laughs> <laughs> this wouldn't be happening like, if it was probably I research <laughs> boarding schools, but I never go back to breastfeeding. <laughs> yeah. So yes. That's amazing. Sure. Well, I want to hear um oh, there's a siren. I want to hear more about the lingerie business that you started in of between course. during yeah, your second mat leave. I would love to share. So it was interesting because one of the other pressures I had on myself was once you give birth, you have to get rid of all the weight and get a great body mm. back. And so I was in with my first, it was, I mean, with my first baby, I could do so many things. Yeah. And then obviously breastfeeding burns a bunch of calories. So that was easy. And the second one, I joined also a bunch of mom and baby fitness classes, trying to have the same experience. It's harder when you have two children and those juggles. And I was looking for a sports bra because I have large breasts and I couldn't find one that would fully support. So I didn't have pain when I worked out. Mm. And I was doing like baby boot camps and running stairs and all these things because for sure that's my got to be my priority with a one and a newborn. But regardless, find a supports bra. And I start talking to the woman that ran this place because it was a really bizarre, unique location. And they uh-huh. were online or by appointment. <laughs> they carried what is known as Oprah's sports bra. Oh, and so. I bought one. I was so elated. I'm like, oh, nobody knows about this. I said, even how I found you was so bizarre. She's like, oh yeah, we do so well. And I was like, are you kidding me? And there was this moment, this light bulb went off. I'm like, if they're doing well, I can do this and do this better. Mm. So I started looking into the lot, well, I was going to do something just sports bras. Cause I know the challenge. Yeah. And one of the other things I didn't want to talk to a man about this. And a lot of sports stores are very male centric employees. So I, started looking into that. And then when I looked into the entire lingerie industry, I thought, holy cow, there's so much I could do with this. And that's still mm. untapped. And a story I love to share in this. So the first thing I did was I found a trade show that was in Las Vegas. This is in the summer and I knew I'd go swimming. And so I hadn't bought a swimsuit since pre-babies. <laughs> and I go to the swim store and I still remember the lady helping me was sweet as pie. And all of a sudden I'm in a change room and I'm looking at my body in a full length mirror and I just started crying and I didn't want anyone to know I was crying, but I hadn't ever looked at my body completely trying to buy the swimsuit. Nothing they did wrong, nothing in their selection. It was just like, wow, what happened to my body? And it was this moment that I see how crippling this is to see this post baby, especially the stomach area and your breasts are huge. So I totally yeah. remembered that and I'll never forget it. And because, you know, emotions leave these imprints on us. But I eventually got the courage, started this business. I didn't know what I was doing. I hadn't even worked a retail job. I'd worked like fast food and got it going. And then when my husband and I separated, I was like, okay, I used to work downtown in corporate in oil and mm-hmm. gas. And I was like, I can't go back, work downtown full time. I have these three young kids in rental properties. I have this business. Something's got to give. So I'm like, I'm going to put everything into this business and I was able to grow it. So yeah, it's called Bratopia. And now we're 13 years old and yeah, we've survived so much, so many changes and things, but I see this so often. Like I see those people come in that were me 13 years ago, working in the mirror or (laughs) that have been living in nursing bras, even though the kids are 11, 13 and 15 (laughs) or the same yeah. we sell swim so I see all these experiences and how crippling it can be on women how it affects us and our energy levels mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah 
I mean, I can totally relate. Like even now just looking at my body or, mm-hmm. or just even, you know, even exercise, like you were talking about, like it, the effect is not the same that it was pre baby. Right. I'm like, Oh, I got to do more of this or like different things because my body's stretched out in ways that it wasn't previously. And this isn't working the same way that it used to. Yes. And that's jarring and hard. So I love that, like that, this sprung out of that understanding and recognition for women. What do you feel like is the, is one of the bigger challenges for women when they're trying to figure out their bra and lingerie situation after baby? Well, and we stopped carrying nursing bras because we weren't known for nursing. So we weren't selling them. Right. I did carry nursing bras for a long time. So especially when you're large busted, getting fit properly in a nursing bra that supports you makes all the difference because you're hunched over so much trying to nurse. So that's a huge one. But now that point where you've either returned to work, you've stopped nursing, whatever's going on, even having to realize that maybe some of those pre-baby numbers aren't coming back. And right. with bras, bras are their unique little beast because nobody's ever fit properly. So people right. will be like, oh, I used to be a 36B and now I'm a 38 double D. Like those kinds of numbers are usually not correct. Mm-hmm. So even the power, like one of the things I've seen, and I'll also share, I'm very open about this in my journey. I was like, well, if I'm really going to get back to some pre-baby looks, I'll go get a mummy makeover. And mm-hmm. it's shocking. Like you can get a mummy makeover almost as easily as you can get filler. In Interesting. And all these. And so I remember going for a consult. I went for a consult here in Canada and yeah. Plastic surgery is much different, whereas in America, it's so commercial. So I went for a consult in America as well. Much different experience. But yeah, it was just like, they opened the calendar, like, okay, what, do you want to come in next week? And as wow. a comedian, this is shocking, because even here, to get space for surgery, they're, they, they're booked six, nine, or 12 months out. And then they give you a quote. They Of course, they're upselling everything else they can do to you at the time. And I laughed. I never had it done. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, because even now... I see accounts on Instagram and you can literally Instagram message the surgeon, buy photos and get a quote for a mummy makeover, which is major surgery. You can die from them. Like that's right. how the surgery is. That's but crazy. I then started just learning to love my body. Mm-hmm. And when I saw, and I show this to women all the time, the power of a good bra mm-hmm. and an amazing pair of shapewear. <laughs> Yes. It's incredible what you can do without ever going under the knife. And so yeah. this is something I love. And yeah, it's interesting just seeing the transformation you can have and help women and how confident they feel. And this is what yeah. we're about, like empowering women, no matter mm-hmm. where. And I know women, when you are consumed, when I've been consumed with body issues or didn't feel as good or love my body as much, it affects absolutely every area of my life success, mm-hmm. money, uh, relationship, all of it. And then we see it like, uh, this is what we see live in our change rooms every day. Yeah. The sad part is women really dissociate from their neck down. There's a lot you can do to your face, mm-hmm. just even from the drugstore and the cosmetic style, but from the neck down is where people start looking really into like, are their breasts too big, too small, too safe? Like it's, it starts there and goes all the way down. So I, I see where women will look or we have a much easier time doing a bra fitting because I can keep you in your bottoms, your skirt right. or your jeans or your yoga pants. And when we do swim fittings and they mm-hmm. have that experience where they're in front of a mirror, like I once was, I see the right. energy. I feel the energy. I know what's going on in their heads. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's incredible. And it's, I recently was at a trade show in New York and I ran into a woman from California. She's also a university professor and she's got some, I guess, some controversial teachings on gender and sexuality, certain states of band in the U S and I asked her, I said, if you could change one thing in the U S that you feel would change relationships or anything, what would you do? And for her, it was the religious influence that she felt Mm. more oppression in the U S was based on um, religious programming or restrictions in churches. And she asked me what I would choose. And I was like, if I could magically take away women's body issues, Mm. you would change the world Yeah, because it changes their confidence and how good they feel about themselves. Absolutely. And just how much time and energy I know for myself, I can sometimes lose to just thinking about it, Mm -hmm. you know, perseverating on my body. 
So yeah, oh, that's so powerful. And you're so right. When you put on like a great bra and some sexy underwear and you just feel good and you know, you feel good. It, it changes your whole day. Like I've now been flooded in it for 13 years. It never gets tiring for me. That's and so there's, cool. there's studies about it even. Just yeah. Yeah, the first thing you put on that stuff touches your skin all day. And mm-hmm. it's the last thing you'll see when you get undressed, even if it's just for you. Did you know that 90% of mothers felt lonely after having children and 54% felt friendless after giving birth? This according to a recent UK survey of more than 2000 mothers. I can definitely relate. I had a hard time after my daughter was born, which is why I started my free private Facebook group for Moms Plus called More Milk Please, Strong Supportive Mamas. Come join us at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash more milk, please, and find the connection and belonging you desire. Look forward to seeing you there. So you mentioned trade shows. Are you mostly online or do you have physical stores? We have a physical store. We do some online, which serves as a catalog. Mm -hmm. But when I go to trade shows, it's because we're looking for new product or we're looking at the seasonal collections yeah and and you learn so much because you meet other retail business owners you find out what's going on in the industry and they do try and bring in an educational component as well I love because they've also brought in influencers that will speak about their own challenges or whether it's mental health their own body issues and so it's incredible because you'll see a bit of everything that yeah the regular world doesn't see And one of the other challenges that I love to share is so many lingerie brands, companies are owned by men and it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's more money centric. And Mm -hmm. so when I meet my fellow like female, they love, and that's what keeps us going. The passion is helping women yeah, and helping women feel good about themselves. Those people are like salt of the earth. Like you just like want to drink whatever they're emitting because they just have that loving charismatic personality. Nice. And is, is your store in Calgary then? It is in Calgary. Yeah. And it's so funny because two years ago we took over this really big, it was formerly a furniture store. Oh, so wow. we have this huge building, amazing branding on it, but nice. Um, we are able to help people online as well. So we'll do like okay. zoom fittings and things. Oh, cool. One thing that unfortunately has happened in Canada, online is very prevalent but it's still expensive to ship in Canada because we have a smaller population and the same size country as you in the U S so many of the brick and mortars haven't been able to compete against online. So you guys have lost some amazing retailers and fitters as a result, but yeah, it's, it's an incredible industry. Never did I know anything about it. And then once you're in it, and the people that are in it, it's just so eye-opening and there are like, there's a lot of companies that still do nursing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also remember being like, I didn't, cause I didn't have this company then I lived in nursing tank tops. And what I loved about them was you could like, you could put a shirt over top of them and yeah. then your stomach didn't show. So you could like open up to breastfeed right. and your stomach was still covered wherever you were. And so I had more concern, I think over how my stomach looked and that my nipples <laughs> would be showing. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, I live in those too. <laughs> I know they're so comfortable. I, yeah. I remember yeah. that was the piece I had a hard time getting rid of. It was like, eventually it was like, okay, we got to get rid of these nursing tank tops. And I remember some of them had like a bit of shapewear in them. So it just felt right. nice tucked. And yes. supported. But yeah, that was my one departure. That maternity yeah. jeans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh God, those were comfortable. So comfortable and so convenient. Oh man. Okay. So Bratopia. So to wrap up, I'm curious, I know you mentioned like mommy groups. Are there any other resources that you'd recommend for moms? You you spoke to a lactation consultant. I don't know if there are any products that you use or brands or anything else remember. that you want to. I don't think I was like, a, I've never been a huge product junkie. Mm-hmm. And I know there's products for everything. And I think it was more like, these lactation consultants, yeah. and I know they're in the US too, they had like magical information that wasn't medically produced. Like even I remember this, of course, then even with clogged milk ducts, 
Like, yeah. Even to this day, the like the biggest trick is like a hot shower and a cabbage leaf or something. <laughs> and it's like, huh, <laughs> this simple stuff. But yeah, the, I'm never against Googling because you can still find good information. But I just found that, yeah, these the 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 savior for me were the lactation consultants. I did eventually see too, there was one specialized doctor that mm. everyone wanted to get into. And you got sent to her to assess other things. Mm-hmm. So there was like, I forget the term now, if the tongue, if she had to snip the tongue. Oh, the tongue tie? The tongue tie. Thank you. Yes. So if there was anything like that, or yeah, so then there's the, that was the medical possibility. But the ones that work in lactation all the time, they seem to have the deepest, greatest knowledge. And you can also even here, you can hire them privately. Mm. And so I think if they have those credentials, that's all they do. So without having to go to medical doctor, that was probably the greatest resource. Other moms are amazing, mm-hmm. but you still have a unique case. And so that's where I appreciated then having professional information and someone helping because they were like hands-on helping you show you how to latch and what might be not working for the feeding sessions. Yeah. I saw a lactation consultant multiple times and it was really helpful. And to your point, like just showing you and like, literally at one point she even took my breast and was like, this is how you, how you self-express. And like, it was just so different. I was like, okay, this is how I need to like be manipulating my body. Right. And this is so interesting. I know I'm reading a book recently. It's more of a relationship-based book. Yeah. It looks at like, okay, what's changed in North America, especially. And I think it's that we've lost that community, right? Like Mm -hmm. even I was raised in a very small town and my mom, my aunts, my grandmothers were all there. So you had this big community support of family. And now most of us don't live near our parents. Right. uh, And nor do we have that same sense of community. And so the loss of this, unfortunately, results in the loss of, you know, being able to go to an aunt's house that might have this information or your grandma might have known what to do. So yeah, it's so interesting, but I'm just a person that I'll take any help I can get. I don't care if I don't know you, you can take my breast and show me what to do. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You have the expertise, I'm going for it. Exactly. Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, I have a few like fun little rapid fire questions for you. So back in the day of having three kids, I want to know what was your go-to? Are you a coffee person or a tea person or a soda person? How did you keep your energy up? Oh, that's great. I have always been coffee. Mm. And then I believe I inherited my mother's anxiety problems. So that (laughs) always helped too. (laughs) I level anxiety just keeps you going more. (laughs) totally totally just tap into that one (laughs) that's right that's right so yeah that was definitely it otherwise I'm it's funny I'm I'm not sure where I get this level of energy I see a lot of it from my mom for sure nice nice and then recharging did you like to listen to music read go for a walk just take a nap when the kids were small yeah. I had like, you know, my, my secret shame TV shows I love to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have extreme guilt about taking time away from my kids. And I know we're supposed to end these being light and fun. I forgot we didn't get into, but I had postpartum depression with all three of the children. Oh, no. And so it was through learning about postpartum depression and self-care. And unfortunately, yeah. I had to go to that extreme, but it was... Is still, it was a very manageable case, but you had to get out of it that I had to learn to go take time for myself and spend time away from the kids to recharge. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So was that like going for walks or going shopping or just shutting them out and like watching your show and just being? One of the things I still love to this day, and I hope that something keeps it alive are magazines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the Us Weekly or People or something. Oh, I love all magazines. I just get lost in them. I was even at the hairdresser today and like Conde Nast Traveler. So I got to spend some time in four different countries and learn about six travel influencers I didn't know existed. But I would go to the grocery store, so two birds with one stone, but yeah. I would end up in the magazine aisle for like an hour, solid hour. Nice. nice. That's brilliant. <laughs> Which is probably why they're all going extinct because I probably <laughs> didn't buy them. 
you know, it is crazy. You try and buy one at the grocery store now, they're like $15. It's I know. Insane. I'm shocked sometimes at the price of them. So yeah. yes, yes. Crazy. All right. What is your go-to comfy outfit? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I end up in my most comfy outfits. I have a ranch that I love to go to. So I get my connection to nature. And when I'm out there, like I always laugh because how I have to present myself when I work in fashion and in the city compared to the ranch. Yeah. It's probably like there's no brand attached, some sort of athleisure yoga Mm -hmm. pants and a cotton shirt. And Mm -hmm. that's where I'm just like, okay nobody's here looking at me or I don't have to get dressed up today. It's really hard to leave it and come back to the city and know that like, okay, I got to get back to. Yes. Yes. The, uh, yeah. Oh, the difference. I feel you. I feel you. Um, all right. Are you a morning or a night person? I am definitely morning. Mm-hmm. Even now I am in the 5am club and some of it is because I get that peace to the pitter patter of my children's feet hit the floor for the school day. Mm-hmm. And that like five to six 30 AM. And one thing I also do is it's called morning pages from Julia yeah. Cameron's artist's way. I get up, make my coffee, do my morning pages, and then I'm ready to go. And so yes. that time is so precious. And even then, like if I sleep in, it's like, Ooh, seven, seven 30. <laughs> <laughs> So when I meet these night owls that sleep until noon and can, and, or I get emails from people at two, three in the morning, I'm so far from that. That's just incredible. Yeah. Okay. Last one. Okay. When you had the littles, um, what was like the best thing someone could come and do for you? Like, I know for me, it was having when anyone would come and drop food off, they got takeout and they got an extra meal for me or something like that was just a huge relief. It was, it would definitely be housework and laundry, cleaning my house. Mm -hmm. And I love to cook. I hate to clean, but any of that. And so, yeah, I either had paid help with it. um, Or if that's what a family member came and did, that was my big one. And I'm also acts of service. Mm. So that's like, I love you on steroids. Yeah. I'm willing to do that kind of stuff for me. So nice. yeah, my yes. mom still does it from time to time when she's in oh, town. That's like, awesome. Okay. Yes. I love that pampering. That's great. Yes. Well, thank you. Colette, this has been so fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your stories and insights and about your company. It's so cool. Well, thanks, Molly. And thanks for bringing me back to memory lane. It seems (laughs) so far removed, but I hope anything I shared can help someone else out there that might be struggling or just needs to like be like, oh, wow, someone else went through this. And that's been a huge support through my life is when I know somebody else has faced similar challenges. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe leave a comment. All right. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts and share with a fellow mama plus. And if you're interested in coming on to share your own baby feeding story, head to mollyrider.com and click on share your story. Thanks. See you next week. Bye.